everyone, I'm Patricia Robinson, faculty facilitator with the TLX, and I'm hosting a new segment of the Exchange podcast called Exchange Forum, in which I interview our faculty colleagues from across the college. So today I'm joined by Selena Costa, faculty in the School of ESL in the CPLS department. Selena, maybe you can introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your work at the college. Hey, Patricia. Well, thanks for having me on your podcast today. This is very exciting. Um, well, I've, I've been a professor at the School of ESL since 2004. And the School of ESL, as you know, has a very diverse student body with both domestic and international students from all over the world. The program has nine levels and each level lasts uh, eight weeks. So they're really like half semesters. Our students can be placed at any level, depending on how they do on their placement tests. Um, our students have different reasons for why they're studying English in our program, but they, they all share the goal of wanting to speak English better. Since I started teaching many years ago at the School of ESL, <laughs> um, I've had the privilege of teaching most of the nine levels in our program. I also spent a few years as academic coordinator and I even had the opportunity to teach uh, some communication courses for one year with the School of Hospitality and the School of Social and Community Services. Currently, I'm teaching level 300, and that's considered a sort of a pre-intermediate level English course. Mm -hmm. Okay, so sounds like you've got a wide range of um, experience and knowledge about your students and the curriculum um, within the School of ESL. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I actually heard you were involved in a curriculum project last semester. So can you yeah. tell us uh, briefly what that was about? Sure, definitely. I'd love to. Um, so for just a little bit of background, um, for a, a few years now, um, the chair of ESL, Anna Maria Petrunek, had been working on getting approval um, as well as some funding to undertake a curriculum renewal project uh, that had two purposes. And by the way, a little aside, our last major curriculum renewal project was all the way in 2006. So we were definitely due for a change. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, back, back to your question. Um, the first purpose uh, was to align our curriculum with something called the Common European Framework of Reference for Languages. And we often refer to this as the CEFR or CFR. And really all it is, is an international standard for describing language ability. Um, and the second aim of this project was to create a blended ESL program that would include both an online and a face-to-face -face component. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, um... So you so the curriculum project actually started um, again focusing on the um, common European framework um, of reference mm -hmm. for languages, but also blended and face-to-face -face, um, learning. But then, as we all know, the pandemic um, hit, and so I'm curious, what kind of impact did that have on this project? Yeah, and it had a, a fairly substantial impact, as you can imagine. Um, because of the pandemic and our pivot to online teaching back in March, uh, the focus of the second aim of the project was altered. And instead of creating a blended program, we were instructed to create a fully online program. Mm -hmm. um, so as a result, uh, last semester in the fall of 2020, 
faculty from our, our lower levels, levels 100 through to 400, started the project process and um, we used the CFR that I mentioned earlier to help inform our curriculum decisions. Um, the level teams met weekly to discuss everything from new course outcomes to best teaching practices to assessment and everything in between. And as of this session, uh, January to March 2021, the new curriculum is being rolled out as a pilot. Uh, what this means is only one section of each level is using the new material. The plan then is to implement the new curriculum across all level sections in the March-April 2021 session. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, you said that only one section of um, each of the ESL levels, so from 100 to 400, there will only be one section um, that will be involved in the rollout. So can you explain what that means by um, like the sections? Sure. So, you know what, I'll explain by giving an example. Um, I teach level 300, um, but at the same time, um, there, are, there are three other teachers teaching level 300 as well. So that means uh, that there are a total of four sections or four different classes, if you will, uh, of level 300 being offered. So therefore, with the pilot, only one class or one section got to implement the new curriculum. So come March, uh, when the rollout begins across the entire level, all of the classes or sections will be using the new material. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. It reminds me of math class, <laughs> those math questions in yes. our, you know, my grade <laughs> six math book, the problem solving. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, but I do get it. It makes sense now. Um, can you share with us some of the struggles and highlights that you have experienced while working on this project? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll start with the challenges first, and I'll end on a high note with the highlights. Um, so the biggest struggle for our specific team, Level 300, was time. Um, due to scheduling issues early on in the, in the pro project process, we found ourselves with less time than some of the other teams. So it was extremely challenging to finish all our materials for the pilot this January and also stressful. Um, and in fact, we didn't finish. So uh, right now I'm currently still working on some guiding documents, materials, and even some assessments. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. So there's still some work to be done. For sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so you talked about some of the struggles. So can you tell me about a highlight that you've experienced in the process? Um, is there anything specific that you would want to share? Mm, good question. Um, yeah, well, there's there's one highlight that pops into my mind, um, and that was having the opportunity to really think about what students in today's ESL world need and to make curriculum changes to meet those needs. Um, this felt like such a privilege. And as a result, I feel very grateful for the chance to work on the project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's really interesting. You mentioned earlier that, um, you know, the curriculum hadn't been updated since 2006. And we know that the world is a very different place in 2021 or 2020 than it, than it was um, another math question. 14 years ago? 14, 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> 15 years, yes. <laughs> um, so, and also, you know, um, 
you mentioned this about having the time to think. So when we're teaching, we often don't have that time to think carefully about our students' needs because, you know, we're always on the go. We're always lesson planning, you know, putting out fires here and there. Um, so so in a way, this curriculum project has been such a great opportunity um, that you, you do have that time to really consider carefully what your students' needs are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. It was it was amazing. And and you know what, um, as you were speaking, you just reminded me of one more thing. So can I mention just one more highlight? Yeah, go for it. OK, thanks. Um, <laughs> so another highlight for me was being able to collaborate with my project colleagues. Uh, too often as instructors, we work in these silos and we mostly work with those teaching or we mostly work with those teaching the same courses. So. Um, in this project, however, I was able to share my ideas and insights with instructors from the other levels, and we provided each other with really helpful feedback. Um, I can't stress, you know, how beneficial this piece was to me personally. And mm -hmm. funny enough, as I'm speaking, I just remembered one more highlight. I promise <laughs> this will be the last highlight. Um, so um, also, uh, what was really exciting about this project was we got to completely overhaul our level 300 material. So we replaced all of our textbooks with original mm -hmm. content. Um, and although this was extremely time consuming, we were able to create material that's integrated, it's relevant, it's interesting, um, and it really helps meet our course outcomes perfectly. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. So, um, you know, receiving feedback from instructors who teach um, different levels than you, that's such a great opportunity. And then, you know, creating all original teaching materials. So I can imagine that's a lot of work, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I would actually like to go back to what you said earlier about collaborating with your colleagues. Um, so I think that that's true that we don't often get that opportunity to work closely with our colleagues, especially when we are so busy teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so can you say a bit more about what you learned as a result of that collaboration? Sure. Yeah. Um, so my, you know, my default mode um, as a teacher is to want to solve everything myself without asking for help. Um, so the biggest takeaway for me from collaborating with the other teachers on this, on this team was the reminder that we all approach curriculum development differently, which is really refreshing. Um, it left me thinking about, you know, the next time I'm stuck on something or having some kind of problem, I need to seek out a colleague to get their unique perspective on the issue. And it also made me feel like I don't have to have all the answers, to, you know, and that there isn't a right or wrong answer, but instead there are multiple, often equally valuable perspectives on a situation or issue. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah, so actually, you know, just to add as an example of the advantage of collaboration, um, our team was unsure of how to present all of our new material online in an effective manner. And by reaching out to our other colleagues, uh, we discovered one class notebook. Um, our level 100 faculty member, Tina Antini, had started using it to deal with the same issue and she had great success with it. So if we hadn't reached out to the team, we may not have found this particular solution. 
Mm-hmm. That's so great. So, and, and this one class notebook, it is available as part of our MS 365 office suite, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So any George Brown College staff or student has access to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, um, okay, so we've talked about some of the struggles and the highlights, including the benefits of collaborating with colleagues. Um, what else would you say that you learned through engaging in this curriculum project? Well, this this project taught me um, some new things, but it also reminded me of um, some old ones. So for me, the really new thing was, you know, intentionally working with the principles of universal design of learning. Um, through a variety of workshops and reading, I was able to familiarize myself with its principles and to incorporate more of them into my teaching context. And interestingly enough, as I read, um, I realized that I was already applying many of UDL's principles. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Um, and, and I like how you said that, um, you know, the new thing for you is intentionally working mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with UDL. So I think that's a really important piece of it is the intention. Um, and then you said, so through your own reading and research, you you were ident- you were able to identify what um, you were already doing that was aligned with that UDL framework. Um, and so, I, I mean, I can imagine that probably boosted your confidence a bit as well. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so what were some of those old things that, um, you were reminded of? Well, although I've already mentioned the value of collaboration, I'm going to go back to it um, because I'd like to add that during our regular meetings with all the teams involved in the project, we offered and received feedback. And, you know, we had some interesting and at times heated discussions. (laughs) But again, you know, getting these different perspectives helped inform the work that I did on the project And it also made me reflect on my own teaching beliefs and and practices, and it really challenged me. And -hmm. it was great to be reminded of the value of collaboration and reflection. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Um, You know, that reminds me of some of the research um, and work that I've done on professional learning communities. And, you know, that importance of having open dialogue and being challenged to see things differently or to see things in another way. Um, You know, these are the things that help us grow as professionals. So that's really great that you experienced that through um, or as a result of working on this curriculum project. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do have another question. Um, So we know everyone went, you know, to fully online teaching last March, and it's now almost a year later. Um, So from the beginning of the pandemic to now, what has been the, or sorry, what has the, what has the transition been like for you um, in teaching ESL fully online? Yeah, that's amazing that it's, you know, it's almost been a year, Um, but it, you know, it was really hard at first. Um, not only did I have to deal with a change in teaching modality, but I also had to somehow help uh, my low-level English learners figure out the technology needed to learn online. Mm-hmm. Uh, my poor students, you know, like the rest of us, were trying to cope with the cognitive adjustment of living in a pandemic, being in a state of lockdown, having young children around while also trying to move ahead with teaching or learning ESL online. So I cannot stress enough how challenging it was. Um, I feel like I I have PTSD from that time. But, um, you know, my classes that first week ended up being very teacher-centric, which was, you know, so unusual for me. 
Um, but it, it felt like that was something I could control at a time when so many other things were out of my control. And last spring, as I mentioned previously, pivoting online within one week was extremely challenging. It wasn't enough time. Uh, but it has been, you know, the most incredible form of professional mm -hmm. development ever. I bet. I bet. I bet. Yeah, it was, you know, just crazy. So for years, for example, I'd been extremely interested in exploring new educational tech tools. And although, you know, I dabbled here and there with a few new things, I never seemed to find the time to really explore the full range of possibilities. And you know, then actually implement them into my daily practice, because that was another piece. Teaching in person seemed to negate the need for a, a lot of these digital tools. They just weren't practical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then suddenly, wham, I find myself mm -hmm. teaching online full time, and I had no choice but to create the space to learn about as many tools as possible. And you know, it, it was it was overwhelming at first because there's a plethora of choice out there. Mm -hmm, for sure. Like there's so much out there to choose mm -hmm. from. You know, it's crazy. It is. And so, you know, as the days passed, I started to feel more comfortable giving up that control and creating more opportunities for students to participate in meaningful and interesting ways. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you know, as you became more comfortable and found found those opportunities um, for your students to participate, what what does that look like online, and what does that feel like for you now? Well, fortunately, I can say that all these months later, my classes look and feel very different. <laughs> uh, the pivot to online learning has rocketed my teaching into the twenty first century in a way. I would have never imagined back in March. <laughs> I love that. It's rocketed you forward. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I said, like nothing I would have ever imagined. Um, <laughs> but, you know, over time, I've been able to get back down to earth and uh, curate <laughs> uh, some really great online tools um, that I use. And, you know, the, it's down to a manageable number and I've had great success with them. And And by success, really, I mean, I've been able to use these tools to make my classes more engaging and motivating for my students. Mm -hmm. So which tools have you found um, that you would say are most aligned with your teaching pedagogy or, you know, which ones best support the learning of your students? Yeah, so for me, it's been um, a, a tool called Nearpod. It's, it's been a real game changer for me. Um, it's the one tool that I use constantly in my classes and students love it because they're participating um, all the time as I'm teaching. Uh, it's made any presentation component of my class super interactive. And fortunately, Nearpod is easy for students to access either on a phone or a computer. And you know, once you're in, it's very straightforward. Um, in addition to Near Nearpod, I also like Kahoot, Quizlet, Jeopardy Labs, uh, MS Sway and Forms. And, you know, because I teach lower levels, these are the sorts of tools that lend themselves to my students' proficiency levels. I know teachers at higher levels are using slightly different tools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let me add that I use these, um, I use all the tools that I mentioned, both for the synchronous and asynchronous components of my classes. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's really interesting. Um, and I really like how you talk about focusing on the ones that work for you and your students. Um, and you know, that's so important that you've been able to narrow down what works without overwhelming your students and yourself, because, you know, mm-hmm. it's so easy to get lost in, you know, what to choose. Um, so there have been lots of changes and lots of learning happening, not only for students, but also for us as faculty. And so I want to ask you, Selena, um, what other realizations do you think you have had or you have been having? Okay, that's a big question. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, I guess uh, I've realized that I need to figure out what kind of teacher I am in this new online uh, learning context. Uh, The way I used to teach is not how I can teach now. So clearly, I need to develop and grow into a new teaching identity, really. But I do feel that I am making progress with every class I teach, fortunately. Um, Another realization um, is that I really miss face-to-face teaching every day, despite my growing comfort levels with online teaching. You know, I miss making personal connections with students and having those sweet serendipitous moments in class where you know, someone says something funny or unexpected and everyone laughs. <laughs> and, you know, even I miss running into former students or running into colleagues in the hallways and having a, a brief chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I really feel the same way, too. I mean, you know, just missing those, <clears throat> excuse me, those personal connections and running into the people in the hallway or having people mm-hmm. drop by my office. Um, You know, yeah. it, it's hard. It's hard not seeing people and being able to spend time with people in person. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so Selena, we are just about out of time, uh, but I have one last question for you. Uh, What advice would you give to other faculty? Okay, well, time flies when you're having fun. Um, So, okay, advice. Uh, Okay, I'd say my advice is simple. Um, I'd suggest really thinking of how to make your classes interactive. Um, Find a few simple approaches at first that work and stick with those. You know, maybe it's using Flipgrid or staying within Blackboard and using the Blackboard Collaborate Collaborate Breakout Rooms or the the whiteboard features. Uh, Then, as your comfort level increases, find other ways to engage your students during classes. Teacher-centered classes have never been an effective way of teaching and you know, now more than ever, this is true. Um, we, we need to remember that just because we've taught something doesn't mean students have actually learned it. And mm-hmm. I guess in other words, you know, it's, it's the how. how the mm-hmm. how of our teaching is really essential now. Um, students need interaction to feel invested in the material. Um, they, you know, to feel motivated to pay attention and, and ultimately to be able to learn. Mm-hmm. So, if I may, I'd like to end with a personal example. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, my, <laughs> I, my son is, is 15 and he's studying fully online at the moment because of the latest lockdown restrictions. And every day he tells me how boring his classes <laughs> are. And when I asked him, you know, what makes the classes so boring, he answered that all the teachers do is talk, sometimes for 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes even longer. And He says he can't pay attention that long, so he he just tunes out. And, you know, hearing that, it's it's such a shame. 
to hear him saying that. Um, but, you know, although I have a better developed attention span than a teenage boy, by a long <laughs> shot, uh, I, I completely understand where he's coming from. Because when I attend workshops or seminars or even study, um, I also can't effectively focus for long periods of time if I'm just sitting there listening. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that all changes if I get to participate in an interactive session, then I find time flies by, I'm focused, and I leave feeling like I've learned something, like I've retained something. Um, so I guess to conclude, um, I, I'd just like to say, you know, not including more interactive opportunities when we teach online is really doing our students a disservice. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, that's such a great example. You know, you're seeing this happen from the other side, right, from your son's mm-hmm. perspective as a student. That's right. Um, and so, Selena, you know, I think based on what you've said here, we should definitely end this podcast so that we actually don't go over 30 minutes. <laughs> I know, I guess you're right. There's been no interactive content. Oh, sorry out there. <laughs> so thanks, Selena. Um, I really appreciate you joining me here today. And thanks to those of you who are still listening, if there's anyone still there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for hanging on. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Patricia. Selena. Thanks for asking me. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs>